Hello, good evening, and welcome to another live episode of the BCSN Sports Wrap. I'm Brian Fulford. That's AD Drew. We appreciate you guys hanging in there with us. We were a little late getting started this evening. I put that on me. Uh, had to uh, had to take care of some business out in Tampa, Florida, and a game that I was working went a little bit longer than anticipated, and so. Then uh, on the way back, uh, my Waze app decided me to reroute me through rural Florida. And so my my plans were just thrown off a bit. But uh, it's good to be here. Made it home safely. And uh, Drew, how you doing tonight, man? Man, I am doing fine, my brother. I'm doing fine. Uh, a little disappointed in some results that I saw yesterday. But you know what saved my day yesterday, Brian? What's that? Chaos, man. It's chaos. You know I love chaos, man. We got to come up with a new <laughs> phrase now. We can't call it reaction shit anymore because it, it's, 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 like it's like a virus. It, it has spread to the swack. You know, last year it was the SIAC and, you know, in the past it's been the MEAC. Then it spread to the SIAC last year. Now the virus is spread from the SIAC to the swack. So, I got a little chaos, man. What's that? I got one for you. Swag yes. chaos. Doesn't have the same no. name as No. Swag chaos. I, you see, I tried to combine the C chaos and chaos. Swag. No. Okay. Swag chaos. It's a good try. Swag chaos. No. Swag chaos. Yeah. No. No. Okay. Sounds maybe a bit maybe like, some of uh, the people who tuned in with us early can give us a. a a name for for this sound like a we've got, Sam. We, we know, <laughs> we've got Miakish out there, so now we need a, a name for Swack or just chaos in general. Mm. Yeah, that's what we've got uh, over in the Swack West. As you know, last week, if you tuned in to whether it be Dr. Cavill's show in the morning or our show in the evening. We broke down some of the doomsday scenarios and the things that things that would happen if one team preview didn't handle their business, and uh, you know, basically, it was in it was in hey, as someone uh, once uh, eloquently said, Drew, you had one job, you had one job, you preview. To do it. You, you had one job and do it. Well, sort of. But you basically had you had it in your control. 
you had matters in your control and uh now it's no longer in your hands it's in the hands of other people uh, and that's how that uh, scenario kind of started playing out as i was sitting in the press box at the florida classic between famu and bethune cookman we'll talk about that and the uh the uh the outcome and what happened following that today you know and then um and then of course uh you were you were in birmingham if i'm not mistaken correct covering correct um covering uh doing broadcasting for a uh, miles college basketball game correct correct right right so all right let's just get right into the let's get right to it of course wait wait swack wettish Jay huh? Blue put out Swack Wettish. Swack. Uh, Somebody said, uh, it, any Harry, I can't, I can't put out, Kafani said, name it after Valley. I, I, I could go with that. Russell Hayes says, <laughs> call it football season. Yeah. Uh. Uh, just All right, so early names that we got. For yeah, just hold on to those. Four. Just want to give a shout out and thank everybody on uh, Facebook, and of course, thank everybody on YouTube. Uh, hit that thumbs up button on whichever platform you're watching us on, and uh, please make sure that if you're not already that you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at mybcsn1, the number one. And then please go download that Jericho Broadcast Networks app on the Google Play and Apple App Store. Just search MyJBN and MyBCSN. All of our shows uh, you can get live on the app as well as the replays. Okay, so here's what we knew going in. Going into Saturday, Mississippi uh, Prairie View uh, at Mississippi Valley State. All Prairie View was win, and they're in. They're back in the championship game for the second year. Um, now, she somehow stumble. Now that's when we went into the possible two, three, and fourteen scenarios involving Preview Southern, Texas Southern, and Alcorn. Yeah, for potential anywhere from a two to fourteen scenarios, right? Okay. Right. So now, well, now we're down to one. Two, one or two team scenario. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, let, let's set. Don't go. Don't get too let's far reset. ahead of us, Drew. Let's let's, let's yes. Let's 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 play this out in mind because this is beautiful how this thing all played out. So let's not jump to the end, right? Let's not flip to the end of the book and read the end of the book because it's too beautiful. We don't want to leave anything out, right? Yeah. The only thing that I'm gonna say is. I love how everything did play out chronologically yesterday. That's the beauty of it. Because when one uh -huh. domino fell, then you like, okay, th th this, this other this other team's going to take care of it. Then that domino fell. So it was really interesting how things played out chronologically on yesterday. Then another domino fell. So. And, and you had to imagine as it was playing out chronologically, you had to be thinking if I'm somebody in these other stadiums, I'm playing, I'm playing these scores. I'm posting these scores, uh, you know, for, for example, uh, when Prairie View didn't handle their business, you got to imagine the folks in Mississippi are flat out 
posting the score, whether it be on their scoreboard or the announcer is saying, you know, final from Itabina, Mississippi. Prairie View 7, Mississippi Valley State 27. And you can imagine the outburst of, whoa, just, you know, just, I don't know if it went down like that, but that's how I picture it in my head. So I'm just going to stick with that, right? <laughs> that's a, and, and the same thing. It, it's like you know, that belief in Santa Claus. You just go stick with yes, it. Yes, yes. The, the, Texas, the Texas Southern, whether, now see, that game was in Alabama A&M, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, well, the game so, was in Huntsville. But but people on the sidelines at Texas Southern, whoever support staff, whomever, they had to be telling the players, hey, yo, Prairie View just lost. And I mean, the whole sidelines got to be going like, what? Yo, let's let's go. Let's ramp up this. You know, let's finish business. OK, so anyway, and then Southern sitting at home because Southern plays Grambling and Southern's probably watching this on. I imagine. Coach Dooley and the, and the Southern players are having a watch party. They're watching all three games on a three TV set somewhere. And they're just watching one TV. It's like, whoa, Prairie View just lost. And then they're like, okay, fellas, we're alive. All we got to do is go take care of business in the bayou, right? And then they well, – anyway, I don't want to spoiler alert here. Obviously, you guys know what happened probably. You, but, you know, here we go. You, you know what this is like, Brian? It is like uh, – I'm trying to think. It is like the Cleveland Cavaliers – in 2004, 2003, when LeBron came into the league. Southern is that team with the longest odds to get to the playoffs, to have, to have the opportunity to get to the playoffs going into yesterday. And I'll be doggone, they, have, they are now into the final four of the draft lottery, or the final three of the draft lottery. That's what Southern is sitting at right now after everything from yesterday. Did I did I speak uh, too fast there, Brian? No, no, not at all, not at all, not at all. Good, good stuff. All right, so here's how it went down. Okay, um, the, the the only score that I saw was I saw Preview Seven Valley Zero. That was your first quarter score. That was your score at the end of the first half. Preview Seven Valley Zero. So I'm, you know, I'm at that point, I'm just thinking, well, that game's gonna do what it's gonna do. Needless to say, <laughs> you come back and find out that uh, thanks in part to four turnovers by the Valley's defense, which included, um, I believe, a 47-yard uh, interception, pick six late in the third quarter. Valley had run off 17 straight points, um, a field goal of 26 yards to cap a 14-play, 68 drive. Then um, – uh, let's see. Then Jelani Eason hits uh, Sylvester Kim. Uh, I believe it was Campbell. Um, yeah, Sylvester Campbell with a 15-yard score with 221. Valley takes the lead, 10 to seven. Then, of course, you had on the ensuing drive, you had to pick six. Now Valley's up 17 to seven, going into the fourth quarter. Uh, Valley gets a 36-yard field goal. Now they're up 20 to seven. And then in the final 43 seconds, Valley puts the final nail in the coffin with another score. Jared Wilson, five-yard run on the end of a seven-play drive. And 27-7 to seven, uh, is how that game uh, finished. Um, just uh, a, an unbelievable outcome. And I don't know, some of you, uh, the 20-point, I'm reading here from Valley, uh, their, their press release, the 20-point victory 
was its biggest winning margin in the past four seasons, and they won back-to-back games versus Preview A&M for the first time in the series since they won five straight from 02 to 06. Um, now, when 02 to 06, that period when Valley was in, where uh, Preview was in the in the Valley, so to speak, they they were just coming out because that was in the nineties okay. when they were in the uh, in okay. the dumpsters. When it was in that 90 okay. game losing streak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But anyway, um, impressive performance by by Valley. Uh, just kind of looking here. You know, I'm not really sure. Uh, I'm just kind of looking total team yards, blah, blah, blah. Let's see. Total offense. I mean, preview 285 to 264, but you lose uh, three fumbles. You know, you lose three fumbles. You throw an interception, and and that's the ball game. You know, um, so that's that's, so how, that's domino how it rolls. number one. That's domino okay, number one. Okay, so right. Let's get to domino number two. Domino number two. Now, at this point, again, at the same time or right around the same time, you had Jackson State playing in um uh Lorman, Mississippi, correct? Jackson correct. State taking on Alcorn. And, and there were long odds on this one. Long odds. I mean, I think uh I don't know if many people thought that uh all well, of course Alcorn thought they could win, but outside of those folks, you had Jackson State going for the the uh perfect regular season record, eleven and oh. Um you had all these things going on. Um and I believe Alcorn had a seven to three lead in the second quarter, which about when I picked up this contest, then you had uh, an answer Savion win with a two yard run to make it 10 to seven. And then what might've been probably, well, it's kind of early, but the, the play that had everybody buzzing was uh, Travis Hunter's 44 yard pick six on the ensuing drive, Jackson State's up 17 to seven, but not so fast, Drew, because here comes Alcorn as we go into the second half. Um, they get a 27 yard field goal in the third quarter to cut it to seven. Then early in the fourth quarter, they get another field goal to make it 17, 13. And, you know, you're, you're thinking there's hope. Maybe. There's hope. Maybe. There's, a, there's a chance. There's a chance. There's a chance, right? Alcorn's got a chance. Well, and it goes uh, on the next drive. What if? what if? Yeah, seven plays, 68 yards. Shadur Sanders hit Travis Hunter for a touchdown. So not only does Travis Hunter get a defensive touchdown, then he comes up with an offensive touchdown, and and the freshman, you know, probably has his his uh, his first big game on a big stage uh, for for Jackson State. And uh, that kind of capped the game there at 24 to 13. And Jackson State completes the perfect regular season, 11 and 0. Of course, they, you know, they're already in the SWAC championship game. So, you know, uh, that, that's all at state there. And so now, because Alcorn is out, Prairie View has lost. We talked about these two and three game scenarios, right, Drew? And right. what that meant at that point was Texas Bumble Southern Dollar. was in play. And, I mean, we're watching this. And they were in control. This. They weren't in play. Texas, they were in control. 
Texas, and when you say in control, not only were they in control of the game, but they were in control of their own destiny because, as we pointed out, I think in tiebreaker scenarios with Prairie View and Southern, they had the upper hand, I believe, right? Because they were like two different three-team scenarios. Texas Southern would be the team that had the had the advantage. Yes. Am I correct on that? Right. Right. But they were, they were in control, but they still would have needed help because in order to create that, they would have needed – they would have needed – would have needed Southern to win had they won to create that three yes, scenario, uh, which made them exactly. the advantage. Because Correct. at that Correct. point, you had Prairie View at five and three, and Texas mm-hmm. Southern with the opportunity to go five and three, which means if if that's how it would have finished, title goes to Prairie View because of the head to head back on the Labor Day Classic. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. So you're thinking at that point, And so how this game kind of goes down, uh, Texas Southern at the half is up eight to three. Then Andrew Body in the third quarter throws a touchdown pass to A.J. Bennett uh, to cap a seven play, 85 yard drive, a 20 yard touchdown. Now Texas Southern's up 14 to three early fourth quarter. Uh, Body throws another touchdown. It's uh, a 39-yard, and I believe the two-point conversion was failed. And so at that point, it's 20-3, to 13-29 in the fourth quarter, right? And then all of a sudden, here comes comes, comes chaos. That's when the bottom falls out. Now, when exactly did the injury – to Andrew Body occur, it would have been on that next drive by uh, Texas Southern after the after they went up. Alabama and him score. Uh, yeah, because Texas Southern was going down and with the opportunity to score, but Andrew Body fumbled the ball out of the back of the end zone for a touchback, and that touchback not only took points off of the board for Texas Southern, but gave Alabama A&M the ball back in which they scored on the ensuing drive. Right, right. This was in the in the fourth quarter with, um, let me see, I'm, I'm trying to look at the, uh, the timing chart on that because uh, they had just scored the touchdown to go up 20 to three. Then on that next drive is, as you said, hold on, I'll, I'll, I'll spot it out here. So for anybody who might have might have missed it here, um, let's see, touchdown. Yeah, Alabama scores to go up, but the deficit to 10. Then as you said, then you had the fumble, the injury that occurs, and then Alabama A&M comes back and answers on the ensuing drive to score another touchdown. And now we're looking at a, what's it, 20 to, 20 to 17 ball game at that Correct. point? 20, 20 to 17 ball game. And uh, Alabama, uh, let's see, Texas Southern ends up having the punt, goes three and out, have to punt. Alabama AM comes back and answers on a seven play, 81 yard drive, scores the go ahead touchdown. And uh, I believe, let me see, what was the time on that when they scored that touchdown here? 
That was with exactly one minute to play. With one minute to play, seven plays, 81 yards, 257. And, I mean, at that point, poof, Texas Southern's window and opportunity is gone. And Southern now is sitting at home watching Preview. Boom. Watching uh, Alcorn. Boom. Watching Texas Southern. Boom. And now Southern's got to be sitting there like, holy cow. It now comes down to the Bayou Classic. All we have to do is beat, beat our rival, Grambling, and we're going to the SWAC title. Which is easier said than done, but yes. Easier said than done. Yep, easier said than done. But, but Drew, that is the – that's the – I did not – of all the scenarios, and let me ask this, of all the scenarios, that seemed the least likely to happen, did it not? Very, very least likely. And there's one more that no one discussed last week and is the least likeliest of the least likeliest scenarios to happen you ready for me to get into that one brian no one ever thought to and no one ever thought to discuss if all four teams lose good point yeah i mean we just kind of well if all four teams lose yeah we we just assumed somebody was going to win out of this scenario exactly but there's a realistic chance that all four teams could lose and preview not only right back to preview back doors their way into the swag championship game but they backdoored their way into the swag championship game in a wheelchair just they they needed they need some (laughs) they needed some true assistance to get in there all some crutches or something along those lines I saw Edwin Moore say uh, chaos. Sim- I guess it's a, a repeat of 2013. Now I got to go do do a quick little uh, research here and kind of see what happened in 2013. Because, um, you know, that's a that's a, over a decade ago. You know, I, I love my history. But, you know, after about five years, my mind gets a little cloudy. So, um, after yeah, five we'll have to years, go back. After about five minutes. <laughs> five years. <laughs> See, I'm I almost told on myself. I can't I can't do that. Uh yeah, so that's that's the swag west. So uh Southern's in play. Right, let's see. Now, one other thing's in play, Drew, is your your stone cold prediction. Uh potentially, what was it you said? There there, there could be a SWAC West team going to the championship game with three losses. And uh, no, that's not. Does not. It could be. There not will a, be oh, a well, championship will be. Yeah. team going in with three losses. I said six exactly. and two was going to be the best, and it would not surprise me. Back in Swag Media Day, if there's a team that goes that winds up in the championship game, uh, five and three. Little did I know, I was Nostradamus. Drewmas or so, uh, however you want to say, Nostradamus, the Drew version. <laughs> Nostradamus. No, that was bad. Wait that a minute. Bad, no, that, that was wait bad. a minute. Nostradamus. I think we have a new segment uh, <laughs> that I think we're going to have to start debuting. Normally, 
Nova's predictions to go home. Holy cow. Nostradamus. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, the one team out of the swag that played that we left off was in them winning uh, convincingly 41 to 20 over Bethune Cookman in the Florida Classic. Uh, the Rattlers capitalized on a pair of early turnovers by Bethune to jump out to a 13 at the lead. Actually carried a 20 to 7 lead into half. Uh, actually got within a touchdown in the third quarter. I mean, just the offense, Florida A&M offense stalled a little bit. Uh, Bethune scored good. Um, and so the third quarter, really where uh, I believe Bethune was actually sort of inside of, where were they, Drew? They were kind of inside of their own, or inside of the FAMU maybe 20? going into the end of the third quarter. Uh, so we flipped ends. Uh, Bethune ended up getting a two-yard touchdown on 11. So basically a pair of, of 11 play drives is how Bethune ended up scoring, one of 85 and one of 87. And they cut it to a 27-20 lead. And then probably the key play of the game in fourth down with FAMU facing a fourth and – probably about four or five from I'd say about midfield. They ran a fake punt, which nobody saw. I, I mean, there, you know, what's funny in the press box, Drew, there was one young guy, one young man. I, I don't know his name, but he was sitting there like, uh, Oh, why aren't they going for it? Why aren't they going for it? The momentum, blah, blah, blah. And all of us old folks, and I be saying that because it was a lot of uh, us seasoned people who we, we think we know football. So we're all saying, no, 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 no. You can't go for it here. Midfield, field position. We're like, this isn't this isn't Madden. This, I, I literally that was the last thing I said. And then what happened? We run a fake punt wide open to get into about the 20 yard line or something like that. And everybody is just like, holy cow, the stones on Coach, uh, I believe, Chili Davis, um, Coach Simmons, whoever called that, the Stones to be able to run a fake punt in that situation was absolutely ridiculous. Um, and then um, the FAMU ended up scoring on an 18-yard pass to uh, Kobe Gross from Jeremy Musa to go up 34-20, added another score late. Pretty much it was over at that point and um unbelievable unbelievable uh family you ended up winning that contest and it uh it capped off another nine win season for florida a&m um win, won nine games in a row following the loss to jackson state and really drew with all of the scenarios of different off teams that lost on that final day, uh, there was a strong belief walking out of that stadium that Florida A&M might have earned themselves another invitation into the playoffs as an at-large. Because amongst the seven teams, eight, seven, no, eight teams that were sort of on the bubble with Florida A&M, seven of them lost. And so nobody technically had a better record against FCS than Florida A&M. The thing that was going to be questioned was FAMU's strength of schedule. 
which, look, you can't do anything about that. But, you know, it is what it is, right? And I think we've got, I don't know, at some point, is Kelvin on with us? Is he logged uh, in? Yeah, he's there in the background. Yes, he is. He is? Well, okay, let's see. Let's see. In. No, let, uh, heck, the heck with a break. Unless you want to take a break. You want to take a break? I'd rather just yeah, kind of keep rolling. Let's, take, let's, keep, let's take, take a right, break. You want to take a break. All right, let's take a break, come back. Kelvin Roger is going to join us. Kelvin, of course, co-host of the ONG Strike Zone. We're going to talk about that game, the playoff scenarios, what had to happen, what needed to happen, what didn't happen. And then, of course, the disappointing news for Rattler Nation that the uh, Rattlers were left out of the playoffs. So we're going to talk to Kelvin Roger on the other side. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. It's like a loop machine. Going around town, trying to get down. You see, Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology, protects against flakes, even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders scalp shield, never not working. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. Mobile banking from Truist actually works for you. It gives you simple, smart, personalized insights to keep you one step ahead. Because we think that's the kind of control you deserve over your money. When you start with care, you get a different kind of bank. Truist. Download the mobile app now. At Tyson, we know taste is local. Some like their beef pit smoked, their chicken spiced all the way up, or their pork sweet and saucy. Local flavors, global impact. That's what feeding the world is all about. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language, and she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. 
Here are the BCSN Sports Wrap. Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Knights of the Round Table. The Pre-Game Show. The Carlos Brown Show. The ONG Strike Zone and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. All right, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. And uh, no, it's not the ONG Strike Zone. So don't be fooled by the fact that you got three Rattlers on the screen. <laughs> so me and AD here, but joining us, uh, I'm honorary our man. Co-host. Oh, see now you see this. Okay, I'm not. Anyway, I'm not going. I'm not going to put you out there, Drew. I know. But for the uh, ONG portion, for the ONG portion, no. I'm honorary ONG. That's right. Not there honorary rattler. I'm a true. There I'm a go. true rattler, but I'm honorary ONG. Right, Kelvin Rozier, of course, uh, one of the uh, co-hosts of the ONG Strike Zone every Wednesday nights, uh, eight to ten Eastern, right here on the Black College Sports Network. Uh, so Florida A&M with the 41-20 victory over the Florida Class over Bethune in the Florida Classic. Um, lots of optimism, Kelvin. Uh, let's just kind of your your thought on the game itself, and just with the win, um, what were you feeling as it relates to A&M potentially getting a second bid? to the NCAA FCS playoffs? Well, in terms of the game, I thought um, the team did what they needed to do. I thought it was our most complete game uh, of the year. And, uh, you know, I, kudos to Bethune because they I thought they they, they potentially could lie down and um, after that we jumped on them 27-7 and went into halftime. But uh, to their credit, man, they made some plays in the second half, came out of halftime, and they competed, man. That's what you want in a rivalry game, you know, and, and they made us work a little bit. But our guys responded, as they always have done this year, and, and actually created more separation. And they did it without a couple of starters on defense. And the defense was pretty dominant for the most part. You know, we had, you know, uh, Bethune had a couple of broken plays. But they uh, held opponent under 300 yards again. And, um, you know, Isaiah Land didn't play gentle. General Hunt didn't really play. So so I thought it was a really solid performance. I thought it was enough to uh, get us over the hump. Particularly, as you know, while we were watching the uh, game, I was tracking uh, what was happening in the FCS landscape. And so typically what happens is, you know, when you when you watch the BCS and you talk about bowl games at the other Division One level, uh, they always talk about how you finish and and um, you know don't lose game late, right? And all, all all this kind of jazz. You know, momentum matters, right? And you can only beat who you who you who's on your schedule, right? And so mm-hmm. I look at our outcome, just trying to be objective, not even being a homer, objectively. I look at who we schedule out of conference. We scheduled a South Carolina State team that was predicted to be uh, the champion of the MEAC. 
We schedule mm-hmm. UNC, uh, UNC team that has eight wins in FBS right now. Uh, and we schedule uh, Albany State D2. But, I mean, they were uh, conference champs and uh, advanced pretty far to what? To the semifinal rounds of the uh, playoffs last year. So, I can't even I, I can't even knock our out-of-conference scheduling. We, we actually scheduled pretty strong now. I, I realize that we could have replaced a D2 game with a Mercer or a Tennessee State and so forth. And I predict that that's the adjustment that will be made moving forward. Uh, we'll probably lose those uh, traditional rivalries with our D2 partners. Um, but I thought our out-of-conference schedule was fine, to be honest. Um, well, let me ask this, do they, let me, excuse me, let me ask this. Do you think that, and and Drew, Stephano, if you know, are they, when they talk about strength of schedule, I mean, are they counting that Albany State game uh, into our mix? I mean, because if you're not including North Carolina, which is in the hunt for an ACC title, then you shouldn't be counting the Division Two game against Albany State. I don't. I don't believe they count the Albany State game either. You know, I'm not as versed on the FCS selection committee, obviously, because uh, I follow D2 for D2Football.com, and I had to become even more versed on the D2 side. But I think it's the same. Just like FCS, I mean FBS does not count victories against FCS competition when they look at your record to go to an FCS. Well, let me rephrase it. They count them when it, when it comes time to those six wins to go to a bowl. But when it comes to going to the FBS playoffs, they do not count those games against FCS for the playoffs. So FBS is kind of, kind of both ways with it, but as far as FCS, I just believe those are FCS on FCS games that are counted. And unfortunately, of all those teams that were in the matrix there, Kelvin, fam, you probably had one of the worst strength of schedules among those teams. And when you look at it, the it was a good loss to Jackson, a quality loss to Jackson State. But it was a bad way that we lost to Jackson State. If this is the 7-6 game from last year or that game was within one score, I think that may have been enough to get FAMU over the hump, especially with Jackson State being in the top five right now and that being their only FCS loss. But let's look at some of the teams on their schedule. You just beat Bethune. We beat South Carolina State, who had a very disappointing season. You've already mentioned this. We 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 beat we beat a Valley, who's who's Valley. Uh, so we beat some uh, some other things. We beat we beat the Southern, who may wind up winning the SWAC West, but the fact that they may win the SWAC West is too late to help out the FAMU resume because that will that would occur after the the. Uh, the selection. You beat an Alabama A&M who had a very disappointing uh, season. You beat you beat a your your quality win if you're fan of you is Alabama State. Honestly, can can you give me a better quality? I would think the Southern, Alabama State. I would think Southern. I would think Southern is I, the quality I, win. 
I, I don't think so, because when you look at that Southern schedule, the fact that they play in NAIA and Virginia Lynchburg, I don't know if you can really consider Southern the, the victory over Southern a quality win because of Southern. I don't think we were predicted. I don't think we were predicted to beat Southern by the by but the it, analytics. But it's, a, recall, it's, it's just the fact that Southern's well, schedule was so weak. I was I would say that Alabama State was more of a quality victory for Florida A and M. Southern, the eye test amongst the HBCUs. But if you if you want to lead that to the nerves, Alabama State is the quality victory that fam you had, and Alabama State was a low, was a lower third team at best as far as FCS uh, is concerned. So what what I would say to that Drew is one, um, there are teams who are seven and four that have no quality wins either. There were some teams but the, that got but in. But they're not HBCUs, and we, we always get looked at with that side out. They, they, they lost to some people close, but they didn't beat anybody. And the other point I would make also is that um, we were talking about the Division two and what counts and what doesn't count and so forth. They consider FBS wins um, when you beat an FBS team. They don't consider right. it when you lose to an FBS team. They Correct. don't supposed to consider D two, but when they talking about a strength of schedule, they'll they'll they'll, they'll mention D two. And as a matter of fact, when um, the the uh, who was it, the chairman of the committee uh, was talking about Jay questioning him about a nine and two fam, you and them not getting in, and um, the the one of the things he mentioned, the first thing he mentioned was you know that they had a D two loss. Um, in terms of scheduling in our conference, a D two loss. Had, I mean, a D two. Then we had a two T a D two game. Okay, you mentioned that. All right. So All right. The, whether we had a D two game or not, I don't think really come to play because some teams, other teams, have had do D two wins and, and got into the bottom line. They, they look at FCS wins, right? So some of those teams right. who got in. Maximum got seven FCS FCS wins. Some of them got six FCS wins, right? Um, and we have Maybe has eight. eight, right? Yes. So I mean, there's there's a lot of things that go into the goulash, so to speak. And you know, you can't pick and choose. At the end of the day, this is what I see, and this is as a analyst. This is not as a FAMU fan. Um, what makes the NCA March Madness so popular is because. Um, Everybody has a shot at it, and, and um, you know, they're consistent in how they, you know, how teams, you know, how they apply, who gets in, and they give the little guy a chance, so to speak. Uh, FCS football is not, is honestly, it's not entertaining enough. It's not followed enough uh, to exclude HBCUs. If they want to grow the FCS playoffs, then they need to open their eyes, man, because, you know, Honestly, most of those teams uh, uh, aren't entertaining. And let's face it, North Dakota State, Georgia Southern, there's dynasty in the FCS championships, right? Montana, the same schools win over and over, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, when you tell me that because you were in a conference with all those schools that you're a better team, I don't buy that. New Hampshire got in. New Hampshire got in. They mm -hmm. beat a 2-8 and eight main team, 42-41 yesterday. Of course, you know they lost at home. Mm. Got blown out by 
North Carolina Central too early mm-hmm. early in the season. Yep. So for me, my my issue is I can't we you know fam, you can't do anything about each strength of schedule in terms of uh, of who they got. Our conference is our conference. We played who was in our conference, and, 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 we beat, and that's part of the problem. We've been on nine game street. I don't think you can reward teams for losing. Like we talked about Delaware. Delaware lost three out of the last four games. They said I got seven wins in their end. You can't reward teams for for losing. And then talking about, you know, on the other hand, HBCUs, but you know, your strength of schedule, man. They got the they gotta look at that formula, man. I cannot let them off the hook with that. And if they let me, if, if you, you bring up a be relevant relevant and they want they want an audience, then they're gonna have to broaden how they how they and be more consistent in how they apply that. Go ahead, Drew, and then I'll follow up with my point. Go ahead. I, I think part of it uh, kind of points back to what you said, Kev, we were talking about the conferences, and, and it's time to have a real, reality talk about this. And, yes, I, I, I'm a family uh, supporter, HBCU supporter, but for the sake of argument and the sake to bring up the other, other side of the coin, until this year, the SWAC record outside of HBCUs was old and forever. The SWAC had not beaten not another FCS. Uh, well, I'm saying, you're talking about the conference record. And it doesn't have anything to do with FAMU but this year. But it's, it's a reflection of the conference that Florida A&M plays in because the SWAC was old and pretty much this millennium going outside of HBCU football to beat anyone. Now, Kelly, I'm on your side. I, I am on your side, but I'm trying to bring the other view that was possibly considered in the room so that our viewers understand that, you know, there, there are other dynamics. That's why the SWAC was the, probably the only conference that was rated worse than the SWAC was probably to be. I just tried to be honest. I haven't looked at the conference ratings, but come on, I don't, those who flip a coin every year, it seems like, in, in whatever sport it is, football, basketball, baseball, softball, volleyball, as the lowest rated conference in the NCAA. If they're not if they're not the bottom two, they are two of the bottom three. Every year, every sport, and it's time that something occurs. I'm gonna let Brian get, get his point in back to a conversation that we had on Dr. Kabir's inside HBCU Sports Lab this morning. The, I think there is a strong bias here, and you're, 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 you're showcasing it and you're pointing it out without actually saying it. And it's the fact that, yes, if the committee is holding the previous record of the conference over FAMU's head, and worse, the fact that, as you pointed out, Kelvin, you're penalizing FAMU for playing a Division II team, uh, when others have uh, questionable losses uh, during the course of the similar nine game period, I mean nine straight games that FAMU has won, uh, eight of the nine were against FCS opponents. Uh, the bias that we're talking about is perception, and then I've even heard people say that the loss last year. Effect. The loss last year is nothing. The, in the same respect that the loss last year, and uh, that should not be considered 
because if that's the case, then I'm going to even go over, since you brought up basketball, on the, and, and we're talking about, for example, a different sport, different committee, but if that's the case, a, a team like Gonzaga in basketball should probably never get a one seed in the West, even though they come out of a weak conference. You know what I'm saying? So we can't have a bias or we shouldn't we shouldn't accept. Let me rephrase the way I say this now. We should not accept the bias that seems to exist and also factor in the fact that, hey, because we're not part of your playoff system by the fact that we pulled our team and A, we have a SWAT championship game. B, we play in a bowl game, which generates more money than probably with the exception of maybe whoever goes four games deep into the playoffs, that bowl game generates more money for that school than most of the teams in the playoffs. There might be some jealousy. There might be some uh, less than honorable intentions put on out there by, by other school presidents uh, within the FCS. I mean, and that and that's the truth. You know, how many – I mean, so – Brian, I, I just I just want to make one more comment about something Drew brought up in terms of uh, big losses. Uh, Montana State steamrolled Montana. It was not yes. a competitive game. And there were several mm -hmm. other teams who got in that got steamrolled, lost big to teams in their conference. I'm just saying, man. Jackson State is number five. Montana State is what, two? I mean, so mm – -hmm. and, and that was early in the season. We had some issues, compliance issues. There was other factors along with ours. I'm just saying, treat us like you treat everybody else. I don't buy into the bias, which is what he's talking about. What I'm saying, if this is the standard for, for, for Delaware, then it's got to be the standard for FAMU. Don't penalize me because of my conference and what they did last year or that they don't have auto bid. Man, this year we won nine games in a row. We got the second longest home winning streak in the in, in the in the country. And that should matter, right? Momentum should matter. I, I don't see how you let a team that got two more losses than you that lost three of the last four games, and I'm talking Delaware, how you put them in. I don't even see how CAA honestly got five, five teams. I see three. That's the box. It's like the, the it's like it's like the SEC. It's like the SEC. It's like ACC and basketball. Yeah, because regional reasons, you don't have head to head. So, so I'm I'm just saying, I just think had had all those teams been eight and three, had half of those team won and got in, I would be less critical. But at seven what? and four and losing and getting steamrolled at that, then you can't sell me the plantation. <laughs> I want off the plantation. <laughs> Hey, you made a good point here, Kelvin. And I think the talk about the transparency, we know in the basketball committee, we understand what the criteria is. And Drew, we talked about this many a times. We understand all the factors that go into why SWAT teams, for example, end up as the 16 seeds. And, and it's very clearly defined what has to happen, what your team and conference has to do. There is very little debate in the basketball NCAA tournament. Uh, now, again, football is a ridiculous another animal. I mean, you're going to have debates in the FBS, and obviously you have debates in the FCS, but but as you, what you said, Kelvin, 
There is no clear defined criteria. Tell us what we need to do to get in. I, you know, I see people saying that uh, we need to schedule other teams. If that mattered, if the NCAA came out and said, don't schedule division two teams, we want you to schedule other region teams than we would, but they don't tell you that that Here's is problem, a criteria Brian. to help you get in. Here's the problem, Brian, because the SWAC and the BIAC do not get an automatic bid. The SWAC and the BIAC do not have a presence at the table, meaning there is no one in that room advocating for the SWAC, for the BIAC, and finding out the ins and the outs of the formula. AKA Dr. Charles McClellan on the basketball committee who has arisen to the chair of the basketball committee. Look, look at what the SWAT has done with basketball just this year. Dr. McClellan realized that they need to do some other things with basketball, go out and play some other competition, play some power five, and damn, on the men and women's side, you're starting to see the benefits of that knowledge that Dr. McClellan has picked up over his years on the committee, and now that he's the chair, he has positioned the SWAC to get some serious look. Right now, there is no way in hell in basketball that you could tell me that the SWAC would be the 31st or 32nd, how many ever basketball conferences we have, would be the bottom conference this year. The SWAC right now should not be in the bottom two or three conferences right now, just with these power five victories that they picked up, in addition to the mid majors, uh, mid major victories that they that they picked up. But Brian, this leads to an interesting discussion. I want to throw it out there to you two guys. Also, want to throw it out there to the listeners and get their opinion on this. We talked about this this morning on Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. And Dr. Cavill brought up a very interesting question. Would there be room, and we'll use this year as the example, for a second bowl game? This year, that bowl game could possibly feature a Fabu and A&T playing each other. You still got the Celebration Bowl. Don't touch the Celebration Bowl. Then as we got into the discussion, and I believe it may have been either Joshua Sims or B.J. Jones brought up that maybe we ought to go to a plus four format where on the Saturday after the SWAC championship game, which this year would be December 10th, you take the top four teams, play it on campus sites, one, four, two, three, for the right to go to the Celebration Bowl in Atlanta the following weekend. So, and, and, and I really want to see, hear the people throw in on that. So you would, essentially what you would have is the SWAC championship game the first weekend in December, a two semifinal games the second Saturday in December, and then the Celebration Bowl the third weekend in December. Is there a market for something like that? Is this something we should seriously consider, considering the treatment that we're getting from the NCAA, because that we can do, we know we can do it. We did it in the past. We did it 40, 50, 60 years ago when they didn't want us to play. And we know how people, and we know how we love to travel. People love how, people love the way that we spend money in communities. I'll just put it out there like that. The economic impact that we make when we go to a football game. 
You want you want to go, Kelvin, or you want me to start? Go ahead, you start. <laughs> and this is a hypothetical. I, I you already got that. It's up to throw it out there. <laughs> yeah, I. You know what? I, I like the hypothetical. I like the thinking. Um, so let me let me make sure I understand what's being proposed here. Is that you're saying that after the SWAC championship, there you have a four. So that means you're potentially looking at four teams. Yeah, champion, let's say this year, SWAC champion. And then and two, two at, at large. large, which could include okay, AT, so Tennessee State, and Hampton. So this year, you theoretically, I'm going to use your scenario for this year, you probably theoretically have Jackson State, North Carolina Central, Florida AM, and uh, North Carolina AT. I'm, I'm sorry. Southern well, you, you folks got and AT, Prairie, folks. Southern and, and Prairie View. You, you, them debating on well, that I, on, I'm on just, four spots. You got three teams. Well, yes, I'm. Right I got you. I'm. I'm playing the scenario out. I'm playing it out with you. I'm playing it out with you. Okay, so that potentially is what you have. Correct. Those four. Let's yeah. just say if it works out where Jackson State wins, then you end up with Jackson State, North Carolina Central. I would say Florida A and M and North Carolina A and T, with, with the last two schools getting at large bid. So what you potentially A&T have then would travel to Jackson. So maybe Jackson, FAMU would travel to Central. Uh, now, the the sort of interesting challenge is your your celebration bowl could potentially look like FAMU versus Jackson State, or it could could you look like North Carolina A and T, or it could look like North Carolina A and T, North Carolina Central. You know, so you potentially what, what, have you that as that a scenario. I think they would. Now, here's the thing. Here's the question. One, could you convince the television people of ABC to potentially move the bowl to another week back? So that way you're not the SWAT team in the championship is not having to play three consecutive weeks. I'm just because now you push a Christmas if you push it back. Well, but, but, I, but well, Drew, but but I mean, in bowl games, you just said we travel. You just said the bowl games don't give a flip about, you know, your Christmas if, break. They're going to play the game. If I, if I push, if I do anything, I push it sometime between Christmas and New Year's and possibly maybe push the semifinal game back to the current, uh, the current celebration bowl date. And then puts the championship back to the week between Christmas and New Year's, given given what you just threw out there. Yeah, so, I, I I think television factors in, and I'm curious to how television would play and dictate what would happen in that scenario. Go ahead, Kelvin. I'll I'll give you your uh, your your time here. So what 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 the first thing what that would have that have to happen. We would have to petition the NCAA to sanction. No, we don't. More. No, you don't. Yeah, we do. No, you don't because for football is not government. No, no, for postseason games at the FCS level. Oh, yes. But to be approved, you you have to mm-hmm. petition the NCAA and, and get their blessing. Uh, I, I don't know how what that looked like. Now you can because now you open up a Pandora's box of are you, you know, you messing with the formula. That the NSA part of the formula they use. The what fund, formula? We not the in, we not in the formula. formula. We not in the, the equation. So how we gonna mess up the formula? I'm just telling you. 
All right, you guys. We've had one at large in the last up ten years, and that was last year. And the way it's looking right now, that was a fluke. Hey, hey, don't shoot the messenger. (laughs) (laughs) You was getting on me last time for me to give it back to you. (laughs) If we gonna petition the NCAA, how about petition the NCAA? I think you know, petition them to move the start of the playoffs back a, a week. So that HBCUs can mm. be a part of that and set up a scenario where the part of the first round match would be um, a, a match between the MEAC and the SWAC, maybe. What about that idea? Keep it set up idea Not- also. But but I'm just saying there's a lot of scenarios within the current structure that you might can work that can might work. I don't know. Uh it sounds good, but let me let me just be honest, man. I'm gonna get some tough love here. Oh boy. It ain't too many HB, HBCU games that people want to see in football in, in December. I mean, we done seen a lot of them during the during the year. Um the if fish aid the fish aid frustrates the hell out you. Uh the quality <laughs> of play is not the best. So I don't know, I don't want to create an entertainment and not a true competition type deal, right? I like the thought process. Um, you know, I'm not saying no to it. I'm open to it. But that would really have to be vetted, man, and see how it impacts some some of the other sports. And then I think the players and coaches, ultimately, at least at FAMU, I don't want to speak FAMU. I know some schools don't give a flip. But at FAMU, I know a lot of the coaches, the players, uh, p- playing for – Championships is pretty important. So if there's a way to monetize that and make an HBCU championship and get the blessing and so forth, that that that, that that's a consideration. I, I I don't I don't want to poo-poo the idea, but it's a lot of hurdles to go through that. And then the money got to be right, to be honest. And then you got to get the. We've shown that the money can be right. We've shown that the money can be right, and it's been a good investment. You, I don't know. It's been man. a good investment for cricket. It's been a good investment for cricket in the celebration bowl. So, well, I mean, you, that, and you know us. Game. We that's, that's, a, that's, that's a market at this point, right? That's the only thing we got. If you look at the bottom half, the bottom fifteen budget, athletic budgets for FCS uh, athletic departments, it's all HBCUs. So I don't see that. I don't see the coup that everybody else see because I, I'm understanding is part of the argument and the reasons you were saying about how they look at uh, HBCU football directly re- relates to the, the damn budgets, right? Valley is trying to run a, a, a have a D1 program with like a $4 million budget, not a football budget, total budget. And so until we address that, I just don't know, all right? That that would really need to be vetted a little bit more for me. You, you, uh, just throw this back at Kelvin. You don't think, and, and this was something else that we talked about. Are we, this bowl that we talk about, are we creating this for butts in the seat or eyes on the tube? And that's, and that's something that has right. to be clarified when you do that. That's something that has to be clarified because eyes if you try to draw, 40,000 people for a total, you know, three games, two semifinal games and a championship game, 
Let's be real. Especially around Christmas time, and we know how Christmas is in a lot of our households. That's not going to happen. But if we're doing this for the eyes on the tube, well, we can potentially get, you know, maybe 750, 800,000 on those two semifinal games, 1.2, 1.3 on the championship game. That's going to be a better formula for us. We can, I, I could deal with 1.2 views and 25 to 30 in the seats. I could live with that. That's a, that's a good look. That's a good windfall for our HBCUs who participate, and that's a good windfall for the conference. Versus trying to make sure we always get 40 and 50 in, in the stands. Times are changing. We've got to change. And sometimes we have to shift our, our thing. It's no, not a shot at you. No, I'm just throwing it out there. I, I agree with you. Great point. It's about, it's, about, it's about the TV money. That's where the money is right now, right? Content. So, and, and media dollars and, and sponsorships. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, that game would have to be catered toward getting as many people to watch it as possible. Um, and and get as many as much dollars for the conferences or the HBCUs as possible. So I, I'm like I say I, I don't. It's not a bad idea. It's just a lot logistically that has to happen. And then can the swag and the MEAG and all the all the HBCUs can we come together and agree to to uh, work mm. together to make this successful, man? That's hell. That's we a can whole other discussion on, for a whole other podcast. We can agree on our own campus, right? <laughs> FAMU. <laughs> Money, money talks, money talks. And, I, you know, maybe who knows? Look, uh, these big time television deals and and networks have come into this space now. And look, we we saw what happened with bowls. There are 41 bowls, but that only happened because major television up the number of bowls from 20 something to 40 because they wanted programming. And half these stadiums don't sell out. Half of right. them don't even fill up. Uh, don't even fill up halfway. But they, that doesn't matter because there's television dollars and advertising dollars. So who knows? Maybe something down the line. While we have these new media uh, entities uh, that are that are supposed to be doing things for HBCUs, they'll come up with the money that is enticing enough to college presidents to want to actually do something like this. But for now, you're gonna get North Carolina A&T and Hampton moving to the Colonial. You're gonna have Tennessee State staying in the OVC for whatever it is, and the MEAC and SWAC are gonna do what they're gonna do. Hey, those postseason games too, Brian and, and Drew, uh, you gotta take in consideration expenses. We always look at the revenue side. But you know, you know, in December, you know, school shut down, dorms aren't open. Um, you know, you got to keep keep kids on campus. Uh, you know, HBCU game for TV ain't nothing without the bands, so you got to have the bands there and travel. So it, 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 you got to you got to take in consideration those other for the work, man. You got to it's it's a it's a expense side to this thing too. Which goes you, back you to definitely the point can't I said more. those two weeks uh, yeah. using that off week. Because uh, if you're not worried about well, you, people you, getting there, you, then you go with the second or third week of December versus uh, Brian trying to get butts in the seats. Then you have to go with that format Brian is talking about with a little bit of a gap to allow people to have uh, time to travel. You, you can't do more with less in this scenario. 
put it like that. And that's how, 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 right. how I'll end that thought. <clears throat> um, all right, Kelvin, uh, I, I'll give you kind of final word and, or maybe the final thought is I saw a couple people in the chats talk about scheduling um, and, you know, if FAMU were to change, would you want to see Florida A&M move away from the traditional uh, SIAC teams that they've played, whether it's been uh, Albany State or Fort Valley? Uh, one time it used to be Tuskegee. Um, I, you know, would you like for them to move away from that and find another FCS opponent to be able to play? Uh, yeah, as long as we are a Division One program, if I go, and this is the key, and uh, with our administration and fan base is to win championships in football, then we have to change uh, that formula a little bit. Now, I don't think uh, we have to play the FBS beatdown games. What I would like to see is uh, for like, for instance, for a fam, you is to have uh, your your Orange Blossom Classic, you know, maybe a Tennessee State or A&T or somewhat, something like that, a home and home, with, with, you know, as one out, out, of, out of conference game, have one um, PWC out of conference game, you know, Mercer, Stetson, some regional school. We have a, we have a few close to us uh, with, with a home and home. And then the third one um, could be, uh, personally, I would like to see uh, another um, – if we could get Tennessee State uh, back on the schedule, and you tell me we play Tennessee State, a PWC, and then like uh, somebody in the Orange Blossom Classic, man, that that would that would be awesome for me. Atlanta Classic, you know, type deal maybe, and, and a Miami Classic, and then you know our five home games. I I, I believe that's good enough. You got out of conference, you playing a, another Division One school, but you still playing your HBCUs. And, and and just take out take that take out the North Carolina the the the, the Oklahoma games man <laughs> and uh you know play play games that you can compete teams you can compete with and have a chance to win that's the that's the um, option I would like to see fam you take all right well said uh Wednesday nights eight p.m. Eastern to uh ten. Uh, that's where you can find Kelvin, myself, Kofi Hemingway, OG Strike Zone. That's where we'll talk. Uh, we talk all things FAMU athletics, sports culture. Uh, free Thanksgiving, I'm sure. We'll find some time away from the pre-cooking and all the other stuff to kind of recap uh, what happened and then uh, also also celebrate a volleyball championship, which, uh, you know, yes. shout out to uh, Florida A&M volleyball team on winning slack again second year in a row uh so that's the lady rattlers on that and shout out um, to tennessee state you know, for winning the uh ovc also yeah exactly exactly shout out to uh tennessee state on winning the ovc so um all right well hey kelvin thanks for making some time tonight i uh, will talk offline during the next couple days as we try to put together that show and uh then we'll go from there man but uh thanks for your time tonight and uh, we'll holler. All right. Thank you, guys, man. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. All right. All right. Again, Kelvin Rozier, ONG Strike Zone Wednesday nights. Uh, good discussions going on in the chat room. I know a lot of you folks, some of you folks out there, oh, just beat 
Jackson State. Huh? Well, look, I mean that ideally that that there are ten other teams. That, that would have been nice. Thing. So I mean, look, that, exactly, exactly. I mean, that, that's <laughs> we would have liked to have beaten Jackson State. You know, you know. So it is what it is. You know, I, I just I think when that happens, you have to factor in all that went into that beginning of the season. And uh, you know, um, it's, look, we're talking about Florida and M. How about it's just a disappointing for North Carolina A and T fans because. The Aggies in a de facto championship game against Gardner Webb uh, did everything they needed to do. Seven and four, I think they were seven and three or seven and four going into that game. They uh, four and zero. Oh, seven and three. They fight. They finished the seven and four. Okay, so seven and three going into that game could have won large bid, gone into the playoffs. Instead, they end up losing to a at that time a five and five Gardner Webb team. Now you know, say what you will, Gardner Webb lost to some. Again, we talk about ranked teams. They lost to some quality opponents. Whatever. I mean, you know, though I put it like this: those schools don't want to schedule FAMU, and they don't want to schedule uh, now. You know, a lot of sweat. Now, you know, maybe they'll schedule because they know they'll get a large attendance because the schools will bring their band. Maybe they'll bring their band. But who's to say if FAMU were to play? Give me an FBS in the South region. Give me an FCS in the South region, Drew. Who's out there? Somebody? Mercer? Uh, Mercer? Uh, go back to uh, uh, Southeast Louisiana. Throw them back in there. South, okay. So, I mean, you know, Southeast Louisiana. Let's say you schedule them. Uh, your Southeast Louisiana is hoping. They won't even play Southern that, who's in their own backyard. I, thank you. That's what I was just about to say. So we we might need to step back from them. I was going to go up the road to say Mercer, which is located in Macon, right? Macon, correct. They 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 know that hell. If we schedule Florida A and M, we might have more Florida A and M people at Ken, this game Kennesaw. than our own fans. Kennesaw, Kennesaw will definitely have more Florida A and M. You know what I'm saying? Because what you're doing is you're going to bring in a large base. So now, you know, maybe those schools, maybe if they were, if they really cared and they wanted to, they would invite us to a neutral site. You know, I don't know. I mean, the, do, the problem do, with. Do non-HBCU FC, FCSs really play at neutral sites, though, Brian, besides? I don't think they do. I don't know. I don't I, think I, yeah, do. that's, that's the thing. I, I've really never seen neutral site games. See, here's the, here's the. Here's the interesting dynamic of all of this, Drew. I want to I, I want to be careful how I, well, I don't want to be careful, but I want to say this correctly or say this uh, the, the way that makes sense. We are trying to exist in their structure, their world. We just saw the division two level. Can I add a caveat uh, to that before you move on? Quickly, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. What are you going to While add? still trying to maintain our culture. Now you can move on. I mean, I, but I, I think our culture is strong enough. To, we can take, I feel yep. like we can take our culture everywhere, anywhere. Yep. I think, I, I think perfectly. I see, see, I think North Carolina A&T Hampton can take their culture into NBA and be successful if the football is good. Now, granted, that's a big know, if. They're, 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 well, it has to, well, I mean, hey, look, Hampton, Hampton was not a bad team this year. And I think Hampton 
will be a little more competitive. I think A&T will be competitive. I will not be surprised to see Hampton and A&T be in the upper, let's see, there's 12 in that, the 13. They will be in the top seven of that CAA next year. I will not be surprised to see either of them in the top seven, okay? Because I think they have strong football playing teams, good coaching, athletic players. You know, don't forget, it, at these all these other FCS schools, guess what? The, the, the players, most of them look like you and me, Drew. I mean, you know, so, I mean, let, let's, let's, you know, I think the coaching, but what, what we have though, is we have a case of, I, I just like the, we had a school or a conference in division two, Drew, that chose to send a letter. And I don't know if they sent it to the NCAA or they just kind of posted it out for everyone to see that they chose to express their disappointment when their conference champion didn't get selected into Division II's process, right? Even though, Drew, they knew what the process was. See, that's the one thing I will say about Division II. Division II, you, you, you and Chris and all the other people who covered D2, you guys knew what the process. Hell, the, the one guy, he's been calling it, what's the website where he's been calling it all? He's been predicting who was going to be Ink top block. region teams. Like, yeah. Ink block. He's not on He's not on Inkblot. He's not on the committee, but he knows the formula. He knows what they look at. He knows the process, right? So everybody knew. But do you think that that stopped the, what is it, the SAC, who chose to publicly express their disappointment in writing and put it out on the net and then say, even though we know what the process is, we're we're going to, we, we hope to begin the discussion to possibly change the process that will be more inclusive or considering of a champion. It's something to that effect. Somebody, I don't know if you got the whole – you have, I, I you saw have that it. thing pulled up? No, so, I don't, but I, but I, I they didn't, read it, though. Yeah, so I, I'm thinking, well, so do, do, does the SWAT commissioner, Dr. Charles McClellan, does he put out – would he put out a statement expressing his disappointment in the fact that Florida A&M did everything they were asked to do and still – didn't get an invitation compared to other teams. I doubt it. I doubt it because, you know, the, that's not his. Well, I, I would doubt it from the simple point that him being part of the NCAA uh, basketball committee, you know, uh, wouldn't be advantageous. But why not Florida A&M's interim athletic director? You know, why not Dr. Larry Robinson, who's president of Florida a Why, why not Fort, Fort Valley State? You know, but in turn back to D2. So I, what I'm just saying is what I'm what I'm showing you is what they do when they are disappointed. What do we do when we've been screwed over? And we can talk about it, but if no one's gonna call it out, uh, as 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 Kelvin said offline, closed mouths don't get fed. But the playoffs are not really our thing, though, Drew. This is the point. It's the Celebration Bowl. See, everything's geared towards the Celebration Bowl. MEAC champion, SWAC champion, Celebration Bowl. Go win. Uh, go to the Celebration Bowl. Um, you know, get 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 a big payday. Celebrate uh, black college football at the Celebration Bowl. You know, the playoffs... Yeah, you know, if we get an opportunity, but only so many schools will get an opportunity, 
because, you know, some schools are actually playing games like Southern and Grambling are playing next week. Uh, Alabama State's playing next week. You know, everybody's not going to get an opportunity to participate uh, in the playoffs. You have to have a perfect scenario. Yeah, this is the letter that, yeah, the the SAC. Uh, what, what's the, hold on, let me move the thing off my screen. Um, the South Atlantic conference shares in the disappointment and frustration of our Newberry college family regarding them not being selected to participate in this year's NCAA division two playoffs. Now, Drew, explain that Newberry won the conference, correct? They won the conference championship game. Right. But because of their rating, two other schools from the conference got the invite, correct? Correct. And I don't think that this letter was a shot at those two teams, Brian. No, this it wasn't. letter is a direct shot at Fayetteville State. Mm. Preach, talk. Well, why, Fayetteville why? State. Well, when you look at the two resumes of these two teams, Fayetteville State and New and uh, Newberry had similar resumes. Fayetteville State lost to two teams. Both of those two teams were ranked. Those two teams being Virginia Union and mm-hmm. Wingate, who mm-hmm. happened to play each other. Right. Newberry lost to. Limestone and Windgate. Mm-hmm. And both teams had a conference championship. And Newberry beat a higher rated team in their conference championship game than Fayetteville State did. Shawan was down around 15, 16 at the time of the championship game. And I believe Mars Hill, who they defeated, was, may have been like eight, nine. Mars Hill was right around the top 10. So this is what that was at. This was a shot at Fayetteville State. And Mm. let's keep something in mind, Fayetteville State beat a team in the conference championship game for the second time this season as they defeated Shawan earlier this season by three points and defeated Shawan again in the championship game by three points. So this is who that letter was really talking about more than the other two conference brethren. Now, from where I sit at, I think Fort Valley has just as big of a argument as while we're while we're writing letters go ahead sic while, while we'll write writing. you a letter <laughs> yeah yeah uh, while we're writing and, letters and a, yeah and the reason why i'm saying that fort valley lost to the number one team in the region while newberry mm-hmm. lost to the number four and the five team in the region now fort valley also beat the number, at that time, the number eight team in the region being Tuskegee. Albany. They also they, they also beat a team who was in the top 10 until they beat them, that being Albany State also. So 
Fort Valley had more top 10 victories than Newberry did. Hmm. Now, did Fort Valley have a bad loss? Yes, they did. They lost to Savannah State, who, by the way, finished 500, which in the eyes of the committee is something that they look at. So Fort Valley, despite the loss, the loss to Savannah State, did not lose to a sub-500 team. So Mr. Newberry, or pre the president of Newberry, and the president of the SAC, I contend Fort Valley had just as good of an argument, if not better, than you did. But I guess maybe we've learned to deal with it so, so that this has been happening to us for years. Happened to Savannah State last year. Happened to Virginia State in 2017. Bring that, bring that back up because there, that second paragraph just irks the F out of me. Because at one point, they show you their open hand and say, after reviewing the situation and discussing it with multiple individuals at the NCAA involved in the process, the SAC is confident the selection procedures were followed appropriately as they are currently written. That's my open hand. Then in the very next sentence, with that said, both the SAC and Newberry have begun working with the NCAA to consider adjusting the current process so that a similar situation does not occur in the future. Slap Brian, in the face. Brian, I mean, if, not to get political, yeah, Drew. not to get political, but we see it in society right now. We see the demographics are shifting and people are trying to change the rules of how we conduct elections by changing wow. the process. Yeah. And I'm not and I'm yeah. and I'm not not trying to turn this into a political show. Not no, trying to turn hey, this into go ahead. We're, we're MSNBC, seeing, but yeah. it, it's the same it's the same thing we're seeing in society. Leading in the sports in general. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. We don't like the results, so let's let's change it. Let's the process. We don't like the results that is that. written we don't like the results that have been in place for the last, mm, I don't know, several years. We don't like the results that we've feasted on. Oh, all of a sudden, uh, an anomaly happened. Three HBCUs, two from one particular conference got in. Uh-oh. Let's, let's, we got to do something about it. We've changed the process. Get the F out of here. Let's go to break on that, Brian. Let's go to break, man. Got me ticked off up in here. But, yeah, man, let's, uh, we got to talk some basketball when we come back, uh, yeah, let's talk some basketball. Get away from football for a moment. Uh, you're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment. Nope. Nope. You want him? Ooh, I like him. The quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. It's like a loot machine.
record, obviously, we know that they won all those games. So both teams are going to make up. That difference, that difference. We, we understand, we believe that. So, but I have, you know, I, we know the when we talk about Southern coming out, I agree with it. And I looked at the matrix too, because I think it's important that you're not just talking about a team winning, what you think your record is, but really looking at that schedule. Yes. I mean, it's early, but we can look at the schedule. The two losses I have for Southern are road games, having to go to FAMU, having to go to Jackson, those are two losses. But I think they're going to go 5-0 and in the division. Right, they got all corn at home. It's gonna be the crossovers. Yep, they got Texas Southern. It's in Arlington, mm -hmm. right? And so they have a favorable schedule in terms of uh, least in divisional play, but it's tough. Thing that I see in the East that is interesting to me is I think Jackson State did Alabama A and M a favor when that game was moved to Mobile. Mm. I see that being a loss. I see them winning in O and G, but I see FAMU defeating Alabama A and M at home, right? And so those are some of the things that I think you consider also is not just the matchup, but where is the actual game played? And when you have this schedule where everybody doesn't play everybody, who do you have on your schedule? How deep is that schedule? And then where do you play those games? And at what time of the year do you play, play those games? Hey, is there, uh, is there a team anybody got have on the surprise board that's going to shock everybody? Hold on. East and West? Hold on, Drew. Hold on. Okay. Before you jump back, before you, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Winning, what you think your record is, but really looking at that schedule. Yes. I mean, it's early. That day, SWAC Media Day, and some of our predictions and some of our, I think Doc was on point with Southern's two losses, although they did have a loss to uh, Texas Southern in there as well. Pretty bad loss to Texas Southern. Um, did, did did the point you made that was that in that I don't think your point the point you were looking for was in that clip. Here it goes, Ryan. All right, let's go to your clip. I, I think it's on Duly, so we know what he brings. <laughs> yeah, also, you know, he, he we, we remember what kind of man he was as far as the program. And Coach Richardson is still hanging around or whatever from, from a help standpoint. Now, where the location is going to be at, that's definitely a toss-up. Again, I said it's going back to Jack. A case of, a case of soda. A case of I got a 7 1 and 6 2. <laughs> So that's why it's going to Jackson. Y'all end the season in six two. Ginger ale from all of you after when FAMU wins the East. Uh, I need something so stronger than the ginger ale, bro. Well, I mean, he, he, I have them at seven and one. I have a three-way tie in the East. The problem is, is the tiebreaker is going to go who's top in the poll, and because Jackson State starts higher in the poll, oh yeah, they're going to end up finishing higher in the poll. So take out those little nuggets, those hmm. little things that you need to consider. When you're talking about a season and those tiebreakers in a lot of ways. Can I make a bold prediction out here? I want to throw it out here to everybody. Bold predictions, Drew, huh? Okay, more bold predictions. I think there's so much parity in the SWAC this year. Five and three on both sides is going to do it. Because, and, and, and let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me explain to you, you why. You got the matrix to back that up? He got some data well, analytics. Got, also but, remember who you're next to, so you need your data analytics to go exactly. on. But let me, let me, data points. Let's let me, right. let, let me explain it. <laughs> data point over here. But let me, let me, let me break this down for you. Jackson State set the standard last year in the SWAT. 
And we've seen the response each and every team in the SWAC okay. has done. They're going to close that gap. Now, number one, Jackson State did not blow everybody out in the SWAC. There were many games. There were at least three games that they could have very easily have lost that. There it is, right. Brian. I, uh, okay, but you put me out there on Front Street with my lone wolf call. See, again, <laughs> you ain't looking out for me. You, you're trying to look out for you, but instead, I'm the one who gets run over. I was trying to – I had completely forgotten my horrible pick. Uh, I mean, it was what it was, but I was the lone wolf, and you just kindly threw that out there. I hope people don't come looking for uh, 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 paychecks. Uh, damn, Drew. I mean, I had – man, thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> Good Lord, man. I'm, I'm the that one was the first time that I called it. I broke it down a little bit later on in, uh, in some other shows where I actually said that in the West it was going to be a five and three, but on the East side, you know, kind of turned out pretty much how everybody yeah. thought it was. I, I wonder how many people I might owe for that. I just, you know, just lose all kinds of, you know. There were eight other people on that panel. Rat. Yeah, pe people have forgotten my bold prediction, honestly, uh, until you just reminded everybody. So I appreciate you, Drew. Congratulations on your prediction, and thanks for reminding me of mine. Uh, yeah, Wayne Morgan said, it's funny how wrong everyone is. Yeah, that, that's the, you know, but that's the fun thing about doing those predictions at the beginning of the year, you know. Um, but a lot of people on that panel did have Jackson State. I was the only one who did not. And a lot of people on that panel picked uh, Southern. 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 Yeah. It was Southern or Prairie View. Yeah, I, I was on the I, – I and maybe two other people picked Prairie View. Most everybody else picked Southern. So at the end of the day, what's really kind of interesting, if Southern beats Grambling, I mean, a lot of people are going to cash some tickets, theoretically, cash some tickets. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so – yeah, and and again, congratulations, Jackson State, on going unbeaten. Uh, somebody, somebody in there said they would lose three games. Is that what I heard in that clip? That Jackson State would lose three games, or was it just that I, Jackson I, State would play close games? No, I said they had played three games that were close the previous season. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yes, okay. Um, all right, let's talk about the past. Um, I, when I say past week, let's say the past seven or eight days of uh, SWAT men's basketball, because I contend, Drew, this may be the best week or the, and, and theoretically week seven to 10 days, this might be the best stretch of basketball for SWAT men's basketball since uh, I don't know when, but uh, just started back on November 7th and uh, of course, the SWAC men were involved in the SWAC Pac-12 challenge. I, I, I forgot what the official name is. I'm, I'm sure it's out there somewhere and somebody will correct me. But uh, the, what that was is six Pac-12, I almost said Pac-10, six Pac-12 schools, six uh, SWAC schools would play. Three games would be at SWAC locations. Three would be at 
Pac-12 locations, which they normally are when when these two team when uh, these two conferences uh, do play each other. So, um, I think let's see. I know Florida A&M started it off at Oregon, which was a loss. Um, I'm trying to look and see who else went that day. Uh, or right after them. I know there was a couple other schools. Um, well, uh, I'll, I'll fast forward to actually the wins. Um, I had this in another note she drew, so if you're able to help me out with the losses or whatever. But let's go to the wins, because Gramley State, on, back on Friday, November 11th, got a home win against Colorado, 83-74. to uh, That same day, University of Arizona hosted Southern, and they ended up beating Southern. But, of course, you know, the big story was Grambling getting the win over Colorado. Um, now, even though Florida A&M traveled to Oregon State that same day, that necessarily counted as one of those games. Then on Sunday, November 12th, Alcorn beat uh, Wichita State. 66 to 57 in a game that Ken Palm and anyone who follows college basketball, if you're, if you've never paid attention to Ken Palm or KenPalm.com, it is sort of the, the data analytics site that everyone in college basketball seems to follow. Um, so uh, they rated this as the biggest upset in the, I believe in the Ken Palm era. Uh, as Alcorn State was probably very rate low, rated very low. And just the fact that, um, you know, Wichita State was probably a 25-something point favorite, and Alcorn beat them on the road. Then the next night on Sunday, you had the three for three. That's three SWAT wins over what you would say your power conferences. Texas Southern hosting Arizona State. They won 67 to 66. Um, and then on Tuesday, was it Tuesday? When did that happen? Yes, Tuesday, Prairie View AM picked up a win over Washington State 70 to 59. And so what you had is over the course of a, a five day period, you had four SWAC teams beating – what's the right way? What, what are we saying in basketball? I forgot. How do we say it? Power five? Power power conference teams, Drew? Power uh, What are we – what's – yeah, power, power conference, conference teams. Yeah, and, and so in that series going three and three with uh, with the SWAC schools or with the with the Pac-12 schools, uh, and and then you, you had – the sort of uh, the sort of uh, I guess the four or another another good game on Friday, November eighteenth, where you had Southern traveling to Cal Berkeley and winning seventy four to sixty six over Cal. You had Valley hosting North Alabama and winning seventy six to sixty eight, which I think, uh, if I read correctly. Valley hadn't won a game like that in some five, six years. So uh, needless to say, Drew, uh, the SWAC had a good, a pretty good week. And in a season when mostly losses occur, uh, the SWAC is 
pushing themselves into a place where they might get themselves off the 16 seed line of the conference rating. What are your thoughts on the SWAC's performance over the past 10 days? SWAC basketball oh, teams over Penn 10 days. Oh, I, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Yes, I would love to see the SWAC get off of the 16 line, especially if we could get it up to 13, 12, where we may have a legitimate shot at getting a uh, getting the win. Could you imagine, Brian, if the SWAC went from the first four game at on the 16 line? Being able to get to the first four game on the eleven line drive, I think that should be a goal for the SWAC because I, I I do like the first four for the simple fact that you got that extra opportunity to get a win and get a revenue share by winning that first four game before you get into the regular portion of the tournament and you're playing a similarly rated school if you're playing in one of those first four games. Well, if you go in as a 14 seed playing a number three, well, chances of you getting that win are going to be slim. But it, to, be, to get to that 11th line, which I know is a long way to go, we won't get there this year. I would love to see us get there, but we won't get there this year. But to play another 11 and to have an opportunity to get revenue share by getting that win, that I think that that's a, a, a achievable and attainable goal for – Swack basketball, Brian. Right now, I'm looking at a, the net conference ratings um, just through now. This is only two weeks of the season, okay? And out of 32 conferences, the SWAC right now is sitting at 30, 30th. Um, Ohio Valley is 29th. The MEAC is 28th. So... Uh, in theory, 30 out of, 30 out of 32 right. conferences, 30 out of 32 conferences. The non-conference record right now for the SWAC is seven and 39, uh, which is not quite, well, I know it is, it is the lowest win percentage among all conferences. So even though the rating is not 32nd, the win percentage is. Uh, the MEAC has the second lowest win percentage as MEAC schools are 8 and 27 overall. Now, so you're saying when we win, we win big. But those unfortunately, we need more between. wins. That, yeah, yeah. They, again, more, now again, we understand per, per uh, what's the word? Maybe per game, uh, if I'm saying this right. They're probably the SWAC schools are probably playing more power five opponents than say the Ohio Valley, the Patriot League, Horizon League, maybe even the Big Sky. All of those teams are kind of right above the MEAC. And other mid majors. They're playing other mid majors. Other mid majors. Exactly. You know, those mid majors are probably playing other mid majors. You know, like for example, Florida AM in their non-conference is playing eight power five teams. Eight. I would, I would, I would bet, you know, look at the average number of power five teams. Okay. And and I would say, what's a power five team in basketball? I would power, say if you were in conference. the top 10, I'm sorry, power conference. Conferences, 
probably the top nine. The Atlantic 10 is nine. So the WCC, which is Gonzaga's, they're 10. So I would say if you're playing a top 10 conference team, if you looked at the number of games that a Patriot League or Horizon League team plays, it's probably on average maybe four. But in the SWAC, it's probably more like eight. But maybe that's something I'll do. I got free time coming up this week. It's just to go look and say, how many, how many, you know, power conference teams are SWAC basketball teams playing? Compared to others or just in general? Compared to, yeah, or just in general, you know, because I think you can glance at a schedule once you knew what our average is. But then what I find interesting, Drew, remember, we talked about the move of Hampton, the move of North Carolina A&T, right? That conference that they're moving to, the CAA, the Colonial, they're 15th, 15th. So imagine a North Carolina A&T or a Hampton winning the Colonial. Because of their conference rating, Drew, they're probably looking at a 12 seed, maybe even 11 seed because of their conference rating. Yes. And, and, and you know, but you know why we're we talking about why teams move. But you, you know why we're playing all those power conference schools, though, Brian? I do. I do. It goes back to what Kelvin yeah, said. Yeah, I do. It goes back to budget. And these basketball teams have to go out and support their program and raise money. And they raise that money by getting those checks from those power schools, the power conference schools. Right. Um, I want to, I want to just quickly glance over on the women's side because I know, uh, Jackson state's women got a pair of good wins, uh, not only on the road at Texas tech earlier this week, they followed it up the night with a, with a win against Louisiana. So they're kind of two and two overall. Um, uh, let's see. Prairie View women are two and three right now. Um, they have, let's see, they they, they haven't really beaten. Uh, I mean, they, they beat up on a couple of uh, Division two or NAIA schools. Uh, so they don't quite have that cash. You know, they, they, they haven't kind of beat the quality opponents that Jackson State women have. Um, any... In the MEAC, uh, any any stories, any basketball stories in the MEAC? I mean, I know Morgan has played some close games. Um, I know uh, I was trying to look up earlier here in terms of uh, MEAC basketball. I know Norfolk State's women got a good win recently. Uh, Norfolk State's men are sitting at four and two overall. Uh, but they've got recent losses at Baylor UCLA. Uh, then they won at Monmouth in a, uh, I think, was that a neutral site? It was in New Jersey. I think Monmouth. Is Monmouth in New Jersey? Uh, they beat uh, Alabama they A&M. Like okay, they beat Alabama A&M. So, uh, good win by, uh, by them. So, yeah. So anyway, I, I'm just I, I just wanted to bring that up because I know we haven't talked a lot of round ball recently, 
but I just thought that, uh, you know, kind of deserved uh, a second of uh, conversation, especially, like I said, given the, given the strong week that, uh, that they had. Um, all right. So let's see happening right now, as we talk in uh Miak volleyball, you've got Coppin state and Delaware state happening right now on ESPNU. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, Tennessee State's women won the uh, OVC volleyball tournament. So they will go to the NCAA. Florida A&M's women won the uh, uh, Lady Rattlers won the SWAC volleyball tournament. They will go to the NCAA tournament. And that's so two in a row. congratulations to two in a row. Yeah, that's congratulations to the Tigers. Congratulations to the Rattlers. And then uh, Coppin State or Delaware State, somebody will we'll get a chance to walk out of there with a victory sometime late tonight. Um, quick conversation that one of the topics that we had, we, you know, the end of the bat, the end of the football season brings up coaching changes, for lack of a better word. <laughs> um, and we have uh, some coaches that, uh, what is it you called it? You called it moving, moving season, moving season, moving because season. Yeah, because coaches will be asked to move out, and new coaches mm-hmm. will soon move in, and that's from coordinators to position coaches to head coaches, and you know somewhere along the line, usually in the springtime, you start seeing athletic directors. Uh, Start start being moved around also, so it's a lot of changes that will be that start happening uh, this time of the year. Yeah, um, so let's go. Obviously, we as we were kind of going back and thinking about what we already know and who's already kind of uh, stepped down. We didn't have as many season replacements as we had last year. Uh, Doc Campbell, Doc Gamble was replaced mid-season or really uh, going into late October at UAPB. Uh, and then in sort of a, I, I would call it a bit surprising, Rich Freeman uh, resigned at Morehouse, I believe after 17 seasons, I think. Uh, 16 or 17. Yeah, 16 or 17. Um, he stepped down at Morehouse and uh, they had a very – tough season getting their only win you know and it's sort of uh, I'm I'm good for him good for Morehouse they did not end the season winless because that was staring them at the in the face that last game against Clark and so uh, they got the win coach Freeman and if if that was his last game as a head coach it definitely was his last game as a head coach at Morehouse he ended it with a win um so you know congratulations uh, to to coach on a on a great career at Morehouse. I don't know if we see Coach Freeman elsewhere. Um, you know, I don't. I don't. It, did we? Did you hear from anybody, Drew? You know, I kind of told you to kind of put that out there to see. You know, it, it, no, I didn't. I didn't have a chance coach to put. A, I didn't okay. have a chance to put that out there to see from okay. our colleagues and see um, if anybody had any inside information. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, so hot seat. Now, this is always sometimes controversial, but, um, you know, we'll put it out there because only we've heard their name mentioned. I don't think we're – I'm not mentioning saying that they're on the hot seat. I don't think Drew is. These are names that have been talked about. When, when right, and some about, of these hey, people – I mean, some of these people uh, that, that are going to be on this list for people that were considered on the hot seat coming into this season and probably have played themselves into staying for another year also. So we included some of those right. names and, on this list also. And again, a lot of this, you know, we don't have, uh, as we do this, I don't have contracts. I don't know whose contract is up, who's still there. But, but let's go through the list. Possible hot seats in Division One football as seasons have come to an end. Some possible hot seats. Uh, Coach Terry Sims at Bethune Cookman. Uh, Coach Sims, uh, you know, in talking to Jerry Bell of HailWildHats.com this past Wednesday, uh, Coach Sims in the past twenty-six games, five and twenty-one. But you, you tell me a coach. In Division One football, maybe outside of Vincent Dancy, who has had to deal with everything that Coach Sims has had to deal with. Uh, go, you've had go back to last year. He you've had presidents leave, ADs leave. You've had COVID. You've had hurricanes. You haven't been able to practice. You haven't been in your facility. I mean, this isn't just a one-year thing. This has been over the past two, three years that this has gone on. That 5-21 and 21 record over the past 26 games. I mean, here's a man who went into the Florida Classic. Here, put this in perspective. Going into the Florida Classic, his record was 38-38 and 38 overall. Eighth season at Bethune-Cookman. Do the math. Five and twenty-one over the last twenty-six. What he did at the beginning when things were stable, when things were stable, right? <clears throat> and and so yeah. So I don't know. It's 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 one of those one of those tough spots to be in. You know, I don't know contract terms or where Coach Sims is at. Uh, I know he. I I, I think he, uh, one of the things that came out, Coach, Coach Sims. Uh, as an administrator, I, I like Coach Sims. I think I would hope that Bethune would give him opportunity to be a part of where he is and and helping them get back on the right track. But I but also you got to be able to give him the right stuff. You know, you you need to be able to. And all of this is. A lot of it's not in his control. I'm, I'm doing a lot of talking. Go ahead, here's, Drew. Jump in there. Here's the thing. Coach, uh, Coach Reggie Theus in his uh, second season as athletic director, first full season uh, as athletic director, as he took the job kind of late on in the process uh, of last year. Mm -hmm. he, he's had a year, year and a half to evaluate Coach Sims. Now, mm -hmm. obviously – Coach Diaz has not had to deal directly with those issues as far as his team is concerned because those different issues happen outside 
of the basketball season as he does as the basketball coach. But from an administrative point, he has had to deal with Coach Sims with these issues. So how, how does that play out? Does Coach Theus know that maybe he has not given Coach Sims a fair hand and a fair shot at this and gives him another season? Or does Coach Theus do like most athletic directors do and decide to bring in their own guy? That is the question surrounding Coach Sims right now. Yeah. Uh, some other names, you got Rod, some interesting names here. Rod Milstead at Delaware State. Uh, he is Delaware State. He, you know, he is a he is a Hall of Famer, uh, an alum. Uh, you know, they, what Delaware State finished this year, five and six? Yes, five and six, three and two in conference. But, yeah, winning record in conference uh, with a young team, if I'm not mistaken. So, first road victory uh, in like 14 seasons or something along those lines. First first yeah, road conference yeah. victory in 14 seasons. First uh mm -hmm. first time they opened the conference 1 and 0 in uh a ridiculous amount of time. I can't remember the years, but I know it's double digit years. And let's be honest, coming into this season, it had been a little bit lackluster for Rod Billstead. Now, I think he did enough this year to you know, to buy himself some more time, but coming into the season, he was definitely one that you had to consider, had to have a good good year. Yeah. Uh, Vincent Dancy is a name that, uh, you know, talk about every time we mention Valley, you talk about doing more with less. Uh, they finished the season on a positive note. And I think they did this the second, this is the second year. They, I think they may have finished the season on a positive note or with some positive. Two years in a row. Yeah, and so now can Valley start the season on a positive note? Can they can they get off to a good start? Um, you know, so I I I don't know. I don't know if you go away from Dancy uh, Valley. I you know seem to be a lot of uh, I, I it seems to be like if you, if Dancy go, he probably have. A, it seems like the, the the thought is that he'd have a job the next day. Uh, that, At least as a coordinator, somewhere. I get somewhere, yeah, yeah. Um, Dawson Odoms, Norfolk State, finished his second year, disappointing. If you go to, if you start with the last, and you know what, I, I want to pull it up and look here, Drew. But if you take the last, forget Norfolk State had a chance of winning the uh, the MIAC last year, did they not? With, and then they kind of. They with blew. two games to go last year, they were they they had they controlled their own destiny last year with two games to go. Right. Okay. So if you go, let's see. This year they finished two and nine. Uh, they did finish the season on a winning note with a forty-two to thirty-eight win at South Carolina State. Uh, they got a road win at Morgan. Uh, so two road wins, no wins at home. Um, so if you if you took into consideration what Norfolk State did at the end of last year, and I'm just going to pull it up real quick here. Uh, look at what they did in finishing last in, in the first year of Coach Odom's. Their last three games they lost. So in the last 14 games, 14 games, 2 and 12. 
two and twelve. Started off hot, six and two, two and twelve. So I don't think he's on the hot seat now, Drew. But but that but consider the allegations that came out over the summer. Uh, not going to go back yes. over those again. You can go back yes. and uh, Google those yes. and rehash those along with uh-huh. that two and twelve, uh-huh. Brian. You have to put. You have to at least say a match is lit. Yeah, it, it, next year's this is a big off season for Norfolk State. Big off season for Coach Odoms. Buddy Pugh, I'm surprised that this name is on the hot seat list. I don't think Buddy Pugh goes anywhere unless Buddy Pugh wants to go somewhere. If he wants that's to hang why out for South Carolina State, that's okay. why he's on I would the list. Not have, he I may want never, to go somewhere. I would he may want to uh, go ahead and go to the hot house. Seat list. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, and, and yeah, obviously contracts. I, I see Doc in the chat room. Yeah, we don't. We don't. Unfortunately, we don't have contracts. Uh, you and know, I know Buddy just signed a new contract. He did. Okay. Well, hey, good for him. But well, then I, I don't know. You wanted to put him on the list. But, I objected. But that. I, that, that, that's, that's more. Crap. I think that's more <laughs> of the fact. I think that's more the fact that maybe, especially after a disappointing season this year, Buddy Pugh may decide to retire. Remember, before he broke the all-time win record at South Carolina State, he was contemplating uh, retirement then. I believe that was pre-pandemic. So you're three years later, maybe those thoughts are creeping back into his mind. That's the only reason Buddy Pugh is on this list. It's not due to job performance. It's not due to... People trying to force him out in South Carolina, else they would not have given him the contract extension. But the fact that he may be, you know, possibly considering hanging it up just because it's time. People know when it's time. It, he may have the thought in his mind. Um, Clarence McKinney, I going into the season, possible he, he, he hot seat. Yes, possible coming hot out of the season. Yeah, I, I think he's safe. I don't think. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know if he was in the last year of his contract, uh, but I, I would have him on. Now, I would also say I would love to see them be able to continue to develop Andrew Body and his quarterbacking. I, I think I, I want to see some real growth. I don't know if I saw a lot of growth in the quarterbacking uh, in, in the job of quarterbacking in terms of being a better passer, things of that nature. Um, but Andrew Body is the real deal. And so I would – I think if you bring McKinney back, this t- he's finally got a group that he has sort of raised. He's raised these guys, and they're hungry, man. I mean, I'm sure that loss was disappointing – and it's just, but that's it. That was a young team that was probably in a position they didn't know how to how to recover from, and so that will be sort of that fuel for the future. And so I'm, I'm if hopefully McKinney is not on the end of a contract, and uh, I think Texas Southern ought to stick with him. There is something to stability, Drew. There's something there to stability. There is. All right, let's Division Two level. And is this Division Two and or just non D ones in general? Not non-division uh, ones. Non-division one. Okay, a couple of interims. Correct. That's what the asterisks are for. 
Yes, and that's that's why they're listed on here because they are interims. They do not have the job on a permanent basis, so you have you have to list them as the athletic director and or administration for whatever reasons may decide to go a different direction. Now, does Kyle Jackson definitely deserve a, a, an opportunity to know that their program is his own? Yes, he does, but because he does not have the title. You have to put them put him here because there's a chance that he may not be at Bowie next year. Same thing with Paul Hamilton uh, at Kentucky State. And Paul Hamilton took the uh, job as late as you possibly could get. Matter of fact, going into SIAC Media Day, no one even knew he was the head coach going into SIAC right. Media Day until you got to right. SIAC Media Day. Right, right, right. Uh, got a pair of coaches at the Lincoln schools, uh, Jermaine Gales at Lincoln, Missouri. Now they are in the MIAA, one of the toughest Division II conferences. Uh, they play an 11 game schedule, all conference teams, I believe. And it is brutal. It is brutal out there in the Midwest uh, for Lincoln. And it has They've been got for about the last six few top twenty-five teams. teams. They've got about six twenty top twenty-five teams in their conference. Right, right. I, I don't know how I, you know, I didn't get a chance to look it up and see. I've, when's the last time Lincoln had a winning season? Lincoln, Missouri, we're talking about. But you know, he, he and Josh Dean over at Lincoln, PA, are probably dealing with similar things, uh, where you know. You got to find a way to get wins, and your your program hasn't won a lot of games over maybe the last five to ten years, right? Um, right. Uh, Adrian Jones of Shaw. Now, why do we put him on there, Shaw? I believe Jones has been at Shaw since like fifteen or sixteen, and you know. Mm -hmm. Shaw has not been able to get over that hump, that hump called Fayetteville State. So sometimes people get <laughs> exactly. a little itchy. Sometimes people get a little yeah. itchy because you can't get over the hump, Brian. I get you. I understand. I understand. Uh, David Bowser, St. Augustine. Uh, Robert same Massey hump. is the interesting one. Yeah, same hump. Uh, Robert Massey, Winston-Salem State, same hump. <laughs> you know, interesting. You got three coaches that have had trouble getting over one particular school. Massey has been the interim two years, was just named the, the head coach. I know uh, Ram Nation, the Ram alums, are not happy with what they saw, even though I believe the, um, Winston-Salem State finished the season winning a few games, if I recall yes, correctly. They, yes, they did. Yeah, they did. so I, I, don't know, I don't know what that means for the future. But uh, you know they gave him a they gave him a contract, so we'll kind of see what happens. All right, let's transition over to our top five, the BCSN computer rankings, and then I don't know. We had a bunch of I don't know. Did we hit everything we wanted to talk on on our rundown? I think so. Pretty much, we're getting there, right? Okay. Yeah. Com yeah, computer rankings for this upcoming now. Obviously, for our non-Division One ranking, we won't declare a national champion until after all the teams have finished. 
Correct. So, yeah, let's go to the, are we, we all ready? Oh, wrong graphic. Let's go. Yeah, let's go to our computer rankings. These are the BCSN top five uh, after games played November 19th. All right, first in the non-D1 level, or let's start with Division One rather. So we'll start with Division All we one. have is Division One. Uh, no no non-D1 because of the playoffs. We're going to hold uh, non-Division One until after well, all the Why didn't you say that? You let me, let me go through that whole spiel. You could have said that. All right, here we go. Uh, Division one. Sometimes I swear you don't listen to me, Drew. That's all right, though. I'm just talking to myself. All right, in the hunt, Prairie View. I got you. I got you. Prairie View uh, is in the hunt. Uh, again, they've sort of left it open to another team to decide what happens. And that other team is right there with them in Southern. So Southern, by week, motivation. Got a chance to play Grambling. If they beat Grambling in the Bayou, they will play Jackson State that championship. If they lose, Preview will go to the SWAC championship game. So it's that's how it rolls. All right, let's go. Here we go. Top five. Number five. North Carolina AT State finishes the season seven and four, four and one, lost the last conference game of the season and lost out on a chance. To go to the FCS playoffs. Congrats on uh, your last season in the Big South AT, and they will move over to the Colonial in football next year. Four. Alabama State. Yeah. Okay. Number four, State. Uh, they had a bye week. They host UAPB in the Turkey Day Classic. On giving day, have a chance to uh, move to a seven and four record, possibly a five and three overall. Uh, worst case, I think, is they'll finish number three in the SWAC uh, East. Number three ranked team, the Florida AM Rest uh, under head coach Willie Simmons. It is the third consecutive nine-win season. Again, let me repeat that. Third consecutive nine-win season. Nine wins in 2019. Nine wins last year in 2021. Nine wins in 2022. Uh, unfortunately, uh, after the win against Bethune, the season is now over. There are no playoffs this year for Florida A&M. And Coach Simmons and the Rattlers begin to put it together and try to figure out a way how to uh, win the SWAC East next year and get a chance at playing for a SWAC title. Number two, most likely the MEAC champion, North Carolina Central Eagles. Uh, they finished their regular season 9-2 and two with a 22-20 win over Tennessee Tech. So congratulations to Central. Got a chance to uh, take on the Swagger in the Celebration Bowl on December 17th in Atlanta. And so I'm sure Eagle Nation has already scooped up and are scooping up their tickets and their travel arrangements, their hotels, and all that fun stuff. Uh, good luck to uh, North Carolina Central. And, of course, number one is Jackson State finishing 11-0 finishing the regular season 8-0 in SWAC. So that 
if you if you count the SWAC championship game, that's 17 consecutive SWAC wins under Coach Prime. Um, finished the regular season 11 and 0, and uh, you got the SWAC championship game in a couple weeks. They will be hosting it against either Prairie View or Southern. And uh, that's going to be it. Uh, just saw EA say uh, linebacker B.J. Davis leaving South Carolina State is in the portal. Uh-oh. Hmm, interesting. There's the top five. Jackson State, North Carolina Central, Florida A&M, Alabama State, and North Carolina A&T. And uh, the only way, well, I don't know. We'll see what the numbers say. I don't know. You know, there's only a 40-something point difference. So be interesting to see what a potential well, what a potential win by Central, how that might affect the numbers. Um, so will we do a poll after the SWAC championship? Well, we got we'll, we'll probably do one next week, right? Because what Alabama State is still playing and Jackson State yeah, Alabama, is still and, playing. And Southern. And and Southern. And Southern. So who knows? Southern could pop into the top five. So yeah, we'll have another to to top, top five. five with the win. Yeah, exactly. So we could have another top five next week and uh, see what happens. Uh, Drew, any talking points or anything that we missed to talk? I am gassed. I'm, I'm like punch drunk right now. No, 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 I know, brother, you happy just like I am that we don't have school this week. Yay, Thanksgiving break. But uh, for all those just traveling over the Thanksgiving holidays, uh, please be safe. Enjoy your family. But uh, the most important thing is arrive to your destination alive and return back to your roots, your base place, your home now. Make sure you return back alive and it, uh, good health and uh, experience, and be it the flu, be it COVID, be it uh, we've had we've had a bad case of strep going around. This uh, was our work, Brian. So uh, just be careful out there. Make sure you still do those uh, safety things when it comes to your health. Uh, make sure you're washing your hands and keeping a little bit of distance because, like I said, strep is going around in the area that that I live in. I don't know about down there where you live at, Brian. Uh, uh, yeah, no, that's new to me, but okay. Yeah, uh, no strip. Um, before we call out, we do have to mention, and we didn't mention it, uh, just because, hey, look, I mean, there wasn't much positive to say, but uh, there are two schools that were in the Division II playoffs. Uh, Fayetteville State and Virginia Union scored seven points amongst themselves. Uh, Delta State defeated Fayetteville State 51 to nothing. And uh, Wingate defeated Virginia Union 32 to 7. That was at Hovey Field in Richmond. That was probably very surprising to say the least. But um, now Wingate will travel to Columbia, South Carolina to tell Benedict this upcoming weekend. Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, a game in which actually myself, Jamie Walker, and Anthony Robertson will get a chance to broadcast on the uh, 
Black College Sports Network and HBCU League Pass Plus. So we'll get a chance to bring that game to you. Looking forward to uh, Benedict hosting and, uh, you know, um, yeah. So I, I want, before we close, I, I, I wanted to make sure to mention that and, and just, you know, congratulations to Fayetteville State and uh, Virginia Union. I mean, you know, hey, getting to the playoffs is hard. Winning, period, is hard. So uh, even though those games didn't turn out how we had thought or hoped, the experience is good. And so hopefully these two programs will continue their winning ways and they'll look to get back next year. And so it leaves us with uh, Benedict in the regional semifinals. And we'll all root for Benedict and kind of see what they're able to do, right? Yeah. And to put that game into perspective, Brian, between the two teams, like you said, they scored seven points. And between the two teams, they had four turnovers. In total? In total. Between the two teams, they had four turnovers. Wow. Yeah, well, the 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 key to the the key to surviving is uh, to not make mistakes, uh, and and to score points. Yes, it is. So. And uh, right right now, if you're a mid major non Division One fan, you need to jump on the Benedict Tiger bandwagon. Uh, having seen this team play, they have the talent to be able to make a deep playoff run so you know if you're in the carolinas go going to columbia south carolina central is off this week ant is done all the ciaa teams are done go down to support our hbcu in columbia south carolina georgia schools go ahead and make that ride over to uh, south carolina and support the benedict tigers yeah uh one o'clock again eastern time should be a should be a good game. Will be an interesting uh, opportunity to uh, to see uh, Benedict and see how the 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 week off helps them, and then to kind of see this Wingate team live and just uh, so I'm looking forward looking forward to being able to call that game next weekend. Um, that's gonna do it for us. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Uh, thank you to everybody in the chat room. Real active today. Lots of good commentary and emotion. I don't think anybody got too out of control. Uh, so props to everybody in the chat rooms. Thank you for watching us on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, plenty of shows this week, though. As I know, Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports air Tuesday night. ONG Strike Zone will be Wednesday night. You guys still gonna run on Wednesday? Not sure. Right now, we're still planning on, even though I know I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to where I'm trying to get to Wednesday, more, uh, early Wednesday morning. So, um, but, but yeah, we're still planning on on doing something, and so we'll, we'll, we'll all be in place and be where we need to be, and then, and then we'll see. You know, obviously Thursday. I don't know what Doc's plans are. Maybe they'll take the Thursday off. I, I plan then, on uh, being in at the uh, Turkey Day Classic, even though uh, my team's not playing in it. Okay. Year. I plan to be there as a, as a fan. Okay, nice, nice. In Montgomery, Alabama, correct? 
correct. And then Saturday, yeah, I will so. be in Birmingham, uh, Fairfield, Alabama, doing some basketball while you guys are doing football. I'll be doing the Miles and Clark Atlanta uh, basketball game, men and women's doubleheader over in Miles. Gotcha. 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 All right. Uh, thank you again, everybody. We appreciate the uh, thumbs up. We appreciate the likes. Uh, make sure to share the show with a friend. Go find the BCSN Pod Zone. For those of you who like to listen to podcasts, uh, just hey, find the BCSN Pod Zone. It's on Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeart, Google, Apple Podcast, everywhere that you listen and download podcasts. You can find the replays of all of our shows in audio format, and you can uh, to catch up with the commentary and keep it going. So that's going to do it. Appreciate our guest, Kelvin Rozier, uh, for coming in and joining us in the show. And we will sign off now and wish everyone a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Until we meet again, my friends, God bless and peace out. Hey, save me a wing, y'all. We'll holla.